We're going to the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 28. Do you really believe that God is counting on you? Do you believe that God has sent you? We're going to look closely at this today. Matthew chapter 28, look at verse 18. And Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Amen, amen, amen. I'm glad about that last part. That he's with us always, Annette. Always. Somebody say always. always. In the good times, in the difficult times, he is with us always. We continue in our study of the first words Jesus spoke after the resurrection. This is a follow-up to his last words that he spoke before he died on the cross. We walked up to Easter looking at the last words that Jesus spoke. It got me thinking, what did he say after he got up? What's some of the first words that Jesus spoke after he rose from the grave? One of the first words spoken by Jesus was peace. We, we looked at this closely a couple of weeks ago. A peace that alleviated fear. A peace that activated movement. A peace that annihilated doubt. Now today we find in Matthew another of the first words spoken by Jesus after the resurrection. His first words, proclamation. Somebody say proclamation. proclamation. The word of peace that Jesus spoke was a gift. He said, peace I leave with you. Aren't you glad for the peace of Jesus? And it comes just when you need it, and it totally supersedes your ability or your family or friends' ability to even understand. We shouldn't be at peace because we just got a pink slip. We shouldn't be at peace because we just got bad news. But somehow, some way, the gift of God's peace comes, and we have this ability to make it through. I'm so glad for the peace of God. It's a gift. This word, however, is, is more of an assignment given by Jesus to the disciples. We know it as the Great Commission. Jesus was commissioning the disciples with a task. They had a job to do, and he really was counting on them to get the job done. What was the job? The job was to preach the gospel. The job was to make him known. I want to tell you something today. The job hasn't changed. The assignment hasn't been altered. The commissioning still goes forth. 
we are still commissioned with the same task to preach the gospel and to make Jesus known. We are to proclaim Jesus is Lord. We have just, just finished singing this chorus, there is no God like our God. There is no God like you, God. And we know that to be so. We believe that, don't we? How many believe that? Let me see your hand as a testimony. You believe that he really is the only way. He is the truth. He is the life. And there is no other God. We believe this. And so don't we want to tell someone else? If we really believe this, we ought to be proclaiming this. There should be a proclamation of you have to know our God. I have to tell you what this amazing God has done for me because what he's done for me, help me somebody, what he's done for me, he can do for somebody else. I mean, I'm the most hopeless of cases here. You think it's you, I know. But God has a way of rescuing all of us, no matter what our past no matter what our faults and flaws and how, how we've fallen or how many times we've fallen, God still picks us up, cleans us off, and says, yep, I'm still counting on you. I mean, I've tried to get out of it, right? There's so many more qualified people than me. And I tell God from time to time, so-and-so could do this better than I could. Has anybody ever really reasoned with God or tried to reason with God this way when God prompts you to do something that it totally freaks you out? And it's out of your comfort zone. And you think, oh, well, so-and-so could do this so much better. God says, I know that, but I'm not asking them to do it. I'm asking you to do it. I've already equipped them for something else. I'm trying to equip you. My God, he's, a, he's here today. He's here today. Hallelujah. I'm trying to shape you. I'm trying to mold you. I'm trying to refine you for something. I want you, says God, to proclaim me. But how many times do we fail here? I believe God is going to speak a word to us that is going to help us in the proclamation of Jesus and making him known. There are four observations that I would like you to jot down. And I believe these will help us in our proclamation. First of all, Let's look and observe the authority. Look at the authority of the proclamation. Back to our text, verse 18. Jesus came and told the disciples, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. All authority. Somebody say all authority. All authority. Wow. Jesus has all authority. And so, his authority is secure. I want, you to, I want you to note this. His authority is secure. It's solid. It's rock solid. It's, it's as tight as it could possibly be. It's secure. You want to invest. Anybody invest from time to time? You want to invest in something that is secure and stable. There's no better investment than in Jesus and the authority that lies in Jesus. It's secure. 
It's strong. It's something you can build on and you can trust. It belongs to Jesus. It all belongs to Jesus, and it is complete. He said all authority. It is in heaven, which suggests to us today that his authority is over the angels. Angels don't have authority over Jesus. Jesus has authority over the angels. By the way, angels are real. I believe in angels. I believe in them because the Bible talks about angels. And not in a mythological kind of way, not in a mysterious kind of way. It's God created celestial beings, heavenly beings. Jesus is telling us here, all authority has been given to me in heaven. So he has authority over the angels, which, by the way, includes fallen angels, too. We'll get to that in a moment. It tells me that he has all authority over the saints who have gone on before and those who are already in heaven. Moses, for instance, does not have authority over Jesus. Moses was sanctioned with a good bit of authority while he was here on earth, God-given authority. But in heaven, Jesus has all authority. It's in heaven, it's on earth. All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. This lets us know that the authority of Jesus is over the evil that is in the world. There's a lot of evil in the world, isn't there? Just turn on your TV. Turn on the local news, the national news, in the morning, at noontime, or 6 o'clock hour or 11 o'clock hour. Every one of those is going to report on the evil that is in the world. And it's, it's powerful. The, the evil in the world is powerful. But Jesus' authority is not only in heaven, his authority is also on earth. And so his authority is over the evil of the world. It's over the lust of the world. It seems that the lust of the world continues to, to swell and to grow and to gain this momentum. And it's in our face, isn't it? Again, just turn on the news and you will see the lust of the world swelling and growing to this gigantic proportion. And it feels overwhelming at times. It seems that those who want the lust of the world are changing the rules to accommodate their lust. And sometimes it feels like we're this little bitty nothing or little bitty something that has no influence. But I want to remind you of something today. Jesus said, All authority has been given to me in heaven, and where else? On earth. And that authority is solid, and it is secure. But there's another point that I want to make with you right here. Not only is his authority secure, his authority is shared. Here's where it gets really good for us. He has all of this authority in heaven and on earth, and then he authorizes us. It's like him deputizing us and giving us the same authority that he has. 
And so we go not in our own authority, because let's face it, our own authority is so very limited, if at all. But we go with the authority of the one who has all of it. All authority belongs to Jesus, and then he says, I'm going to share it with you, so as you go, you will have my authority with you and going before you. Jesus now empowers us with his authority. We are his delegates going out, authorized by Jesus. We've been authorized to say what he wants us to say. You don't have to worry about the words that you will speak. I believe that as the opportunity arises and as God opens the door and as the Spirit of God leads you to the person and to the situation and to the conversation, He will put the words in your mouth. Hallelujah. He will authorize the very words that you are going to speak. I believe that He will authorize the very steps that He wants us to take. Hallelujah. Leading us to people who are hurting. Leading us to people who are duped and confused in the world we go with the authorization of Jesus let him authorize every step that you take let him authorize every word that he wants to put in your mouth you'll be amazed yourself you'll come back and go I, I didn't even know that I knew that scripture but yet it was tucked down deep inside of you and at the right moment with the authority of Jesus it just came out and you begin to say things to people that you didn't even plan on saying how many have ever had that happen why because authority has been shared hallelujah I'm telling you I'm getting I'm getting Holy Ghost bumps all over me right now He's sharing this authority. All authority has been given to me in heaven, over the angels, over the saints, in, on earth. Over the evil, over the lust, over the devil, over Satan. Yep. See, Satan has a bit of dominion here, doesn't he? He has a bit of authority here. Satan is commanding demons. He's dispatching the demonic. And some people can just really get overwhelmed and get so terrified of the evil of Satan and his demons. But we need not fear that because the authority that Jesus has has been given to us. It has been given to me. And so we can say in the name of Jesus, somebody say in the name of Jesus. We can say in the name of Jesus and demons still have to flee. They still have to run. They still have to submit. To the name of Jesus all authority has been given to me it is a secure authority it's a shared authority and the authority by the way it's in his name it's in the name of Jesus this is why we pray in Jesus name we were taught to pray and there is power in the name. Don't let it just be so mundane and, and, and so routine that you forget that there's power and authority in his name. As we observe this, as we notate this, we'll be more effective in this proclamation. Just remembering the authority of the proclamation. But I also want you to look at the assignment. Number two. Let's look at the assignment of the proclamation. The assignment is very specific. You don't have to wonder and question to God, what do you want me to do? 
I think he's telling us exactly what he wants all of us to do on some level. There's involvement in this assignment. Three areas of involvement. First of all, it involves our feet. <laughs> he said, go. Go. G-O. How simple is that? But to go, we have to move our feet. Matthew and Mark. Mark also has a version of the Great Commission. It's found in Mark chapter 16. We'll visit that in a moment. You need not go there now. But in Mark 16, 15, he says, into all the world. And Matthew says, all, of all nations. We are to get going. It's time to go. It's time to go. For some, it's overtime. It's past time. We are to go. We're to pick up our feet and go. And all you have to do, again, we, are being, we have been authorized by the Lord Jesus. And so maybe you're saying, well, I don't even know where to go. Start where you are. Do you want to change the world? We, we, this was a mantra for us a couple of years ago. How do we change the world? We change our world. That's how we start. Changing the world can be so overwhelming. Where do we start? It's like eating an elephant, right? How do you eat an elephant? One bite at a time, right? How do you change the world? You start by changing your world. And you go there. What is your world? Your world is so specifically designed by God. And no two in this room are alike. Not, not any two. There are no two worlds alike. Each world that you have, that we have, is specific and designed by God. Your world consists of all of the people that you encounter on a 24-hour basis. So think about getting up in the morning... Think about starting your routine. Now you're off to school, Caleb. See, your world just veered off from most of the people in the room, right? And your world just keeps on getting, getting smaller and smaller because then you're off to one classroom. And even, even students that are in your grade and in, uh, that are your age, all of a sudden they're off into their own world. And it just keeps getting smaller and smaller and smaller. And we realize, wow, I can actually make a difference in this world. Because it's so specific to God's plan of accomplishing the Great Commission and this proclamation. So we go. Are you ready to go? you got to get up and go anyway. You might as well tell somebody about Jesus. You've got to get into your world anyway. And sometimes it's not even, oh, let me help, God help me say this right. Sometimes it's not even saying the name of Jesus. See, you can make him known without even saying his name. Now, there, God will ultimately lead us to actually telling people about the great name of Jesus. But what if we just let the love of Jesus actually shine through us? How about this? We let the kindness of Jesus 
be seen in us. The joy of the Lord. People are wondering, why in the world are you always smiling? What are you taking? What are you smoking? You can tell them, I've got a new wine. Hallelujah. I don't have to go and, and taste of the things that the, uh, that the world gives. I've, I found a new wine. How many found a new wine? Hallelujah. And we can just let the attributes of Jesus, the characteristic of Jesus, first speak, and then, you know, we preach the gospel at all times. St. Fran Francis of Assisi, he said this, preach the gospel at all times, and when necessary, use words. You go and you let the light and the love of Jesus shine in your world, and you can change your world, but it starts with going. Move your feet. It not only involves your feet, it also involves your hands. Somebody look at your hands. Look how specific that is. Each fingerprint designed by God and no two alike. Some callous because of construction. I see Jimmy here. He works in the construction field and he's probably got calluses on his hands. Maybe some here. You've got oil and grease under your hands because you work with cars or something. I don't know, but no matter. God wants to use your hands. He said, go and make disciples. Making something requires getting your hands involved. Making disciples is a hands-on experiment. It's a hands-on requirement. You have to get involved in somebody's life, and you've got to risk getting your hands dirty because some people's situation is not as nice and neat as yours. It's not as tidy as yours. There's some people that God wants you to be a part of their life and he wants your hands to reach into their life and it requires getting your hands dirty. It's going to require a hands-on effort. I'm so glad that God used so many people to reach out their hand to me and to give me a hand. They were involved in my life Involved in the making of a disciple. He said to go and make disciples. He said to baptize. I don't know how we baptize someone, Pastor Creighton, unless our hands are involved. And what a joy it is for me to actually, with my hands, help lower someone into the water and bring them back up signifying the old man has died and the new man is alive and kicking, baptizing them. He said you would lay your hands on the sick. Matthew 16, 18. I wonder if we could bring that up. They will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. Well, you can't lay hands on the sick without your hands being involved. Wait a minute. God, you're saying... I could lay my hands on someone and you would heal them? Yes. But it's not just for a pastor or an evangelist or some special speaker that comes through. I'm telling you, your hands have been authorized, hallelujah, 
authorized to take somebody else's hands or to lay a hand on a shoulder. That's why I had you move out a moment ago. God was anointing you to pray with someone. God was anointing you to agree with someone for their, their need to be met, for them to be healed. We here at La Palma Christian Center believe fully in the power of God to heal our bodies today. We do not believe that that gift has gone away. We believe that we can be healed right now. Outside healing, physical healing, inside healing, emotional healing. God is the God that heals. How many have ever been healed by God? Has anybody ever had somebody lay their hand on you and pray in the name of Jesus and maybe anoint you with oil? If you've been here at any amount of time, you've probably had that happen here. I've had people anoint me with oil and lay their hands on me, and I was instantly healed. Immediately healed. Look at your hands again. Imagine looking at someone. Imagine touching someone and then being healed. This is part of the assignment. We're talking about the assignment of the proclamation. It involves your feet, it involves your hands. You can reach out to someone and help make them a disciple. You can be a part of the whole baptism. Maybe you're not actually in the water getting wet, but if you've invited them and they found the Lord and then they're being baptized, your hands are involved, your hands are wet. And then let God lead you to people who are sick spiritually sick, physically sick, emotionally sick, and just agree with them in prayer. Lay hands on somebody and believe God that he'll heal them. It involves your feet, it involves your hands, it involves your mouth. I think of all the things that have come out of this cake hole right here. All the things that I've said that are inappropriate things that I've said that have hurt. God wants to use our mouths to proclaim. Our mouths are created to preach. He said that we would preach and we would teach. And don't think, oh, well, I'm off the hook now because I, I'm not called to be a preacher. I'm not talking about a vocation right now. I'm talking about every follower of Christ taking the opportunity to tell somebody else about Jesus. This is preaching, really. Telling your testimony. Has God done anything for you? Julio, has God done anything for you? He's done a lot for you, hasn't he? And God is not finished with you, my friend. God is refining you. God is fine-tuning you. Hallelujah. And he's going to really amaze you at how he uses you from this point forward. He's fixed a few things recently, and it's so that he can use you to proclaim and use your mouth. But not just Julio, it's for all of us. We all have a testimony, each and every one of us. All we have to do, remember the authorization that I spoke of? Jesus has all authority. He's authorized us. And so let him put the words in your mouth so that you can preach, you can teach, you can reach someone. He said teaching all things that Jesus commanded. One thing that we definitely should 
let our mouths be used for is right here. Come on and hold up your Bible right quick. The Word of God. He said, teach them all things that I've commanded you. Everything Jesus has commanded is, is right here. It's written in the Word. And so we share this. Maybe that's a better word for you. If you if, I don't want to freak you out thinking you've got to preach and you've got to teach, even though you do. But we're sharing, see? Preaching is sharing. I'm sharing with you right now. Teaching. Pastor Creighton is a really amazing teacher. He has a gift for teaching, and he's a really great teacher. But we're sharing, aren't we, Pastor Creighton? We're really just sharing with people. And we have this opportunity. You have an opportunity every day. You have an assignment. Okay? Here's your assignment. Here's the homework, everybody, from God, from Jesus. The assignment involves your feet, your hands, and your mouth. I, I also want to look at the accreditation of this proclamation. I'm trying to help you to proclaim more effectively. The third point that I want us to look at is the accreditation of the proclamation. This, I went to Mark's version of the Great Commission. Mark chapter 16. You don't have to turn there. Let me bring it up on the screen for you. We'll start at verse number 17. These signs will follow those who believe. In my name, here's that authority again, in my name they will cast out demons. In my name they will speak with new tongues. They will take up serpents. If they drink anything deadly, it will by no means hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick, we just hit this, and they will recover. Pretty amazing to think that God would use us in the supernatural, to use us in the miraculous, that we would be a part of this great plan that God has. But see, I believe that miracles cause curiosity. Casting out demons, speaking in other tongues, healing the sick, laying hands on the sick and seeing them recover. Wow. Some people think we're crazy. Do you know that? Let's just go ahead and confirm it. They think we've lost our minds, right? Well, I did lose my mind, and I have a new way of thinking now. I don't think like I used to think. Come on, somebody. I don't live like I used to live. So you can call it whatever you want. But here at La Palma, we, we do believe in casting out demons. We believe in speaking in new tongues. We believe in laying hands on sick people and seeing them recover by the power of God. Let me talk about this snakes and poison scripture right here. I don't believe that we are mandated to take up snakes. As some uh, in Kentucky and West Virginia still to this day believe, they believe this is a mandate by God. We are to take up snakes. And so they go and look for poisonous snakes. Because well, what's the good of picking up a non-poisonous snake, see? They had a reality show called Snake Salvation, and they followed two pastors. Anybody ever see that, by the way? 
it was like a train wreck. I watched it one time and I was so pulled into it, I, I watched it quite a few times. They had to cancel the show because one of the pastors was bitten and died. Another one died? I didn't know about that. Folks, I don't believe that this is suggesting that we are too mandated to take up snakes. I believe that it's, it's suggesting that if we were bitten by a snake, if we happen to drink deadly poison, that there's so much power and authority that God gives us that he would heal us. And I don't believe we should ever tempt God or test the Lord in this regard. These are all signs for unbelievers. And so for us to shy away from the signs that God is, is wanting to use because they are causing curiosity, they're making people wonder, even if they land on an end result that's not favorable to us, it's not about us. It's always about him. And God says, I want to do these signs because I want people to scratch their heads and drop their jaws and go, what in the world is happening at that church? And so people, in order to be politically correct and not to offend anyone, not to freak anyone out. And I'm not into freaking anyone out. But they have pulled away and shied away and absolutely done away with, and I'm talking about Pentecostal churches right now, done away with signs and wonders. It's a, it's a shame to me. I do believe that everything should be done decently and in order. And this should not be a freak show. This shouldn't be a, a, a sideshow and a free-for-all. But I believe there's room for the supernatural if we allow room. And God help us here, as long as I'm here, that we're going to allow room for the supernatural. We're going to allow room for signs and wonders. You know what a sign does? I mean, you're, you're driving down the road. Just think of a sign. What's a sign do? It gives you direction. A sign points. A sign tells you, oh, my turn is coming up. You ever miss the sign on a freeway and you go, ah, oh, that's going to take me 15 minutes to get back around. A sign is, is directional. It's pointing. And the signs that God wants to do to, to, as a sign to unbelievers, it, it's to point to him. A sign points to a place, a sign points to a person, and these signs are pointing to Jesus. Miracles cause curiosity. Miracles bring confirmation. In verse number 20 of Mark 16, it says, They went out and preached everywhere, the Lord working with them and confirming, watch this, confirming what they said by many miraculous signs it may create some curiosity in people but I believe that according to Mark 16 and 20 it's also to confirm and it will give credit to God to Jesus it's an accreditation to the proclamation there is one more thing that I want you to jot down it's the assurance that we have to proclaim 
the assurance of the proclamation. We see it there in Matthew 28, the very last portion of, of verse number 20. Jesus said, I am with you always, even to the end of the age, even to the end of the world. He is with us. So know this as you go to accomplish the Great Commission. Pastor Moses, I want you to come. I want you to understand this. We have his presence to proclaim. He said, I'll, I'll be with you always. We have his presence to proclaim. Bring that up. Thank you. He said, I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. I will be with you always how is his presence with us church you know this how is the presence of God with us every day it's by the Holy Spirit his presence is with us God you're wanting me to proclaim you're wanting me to commi you're commissioning me to go yes but I, I'll be with you we have his presence to proclaim. We have his power to proclaim. Also provided by the Holy Spirit. See, then the Holy Spirit is, is with us. Actually, the Holy Spirit is in us. Do you believe that? The Holy Spirit of God is actually in you. And so we have that presence of God, that Holy Spirit of God. But also we have power from the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit wants to just quicken us. He wants to empower us with the exact words that we're to say. And what an assurance that is for us. I don't know what to say sometimes. I don't know where you want me to go sometimes. Has God ever rerouted you? You were going the way home that you always go, the way home you always take, and for some reason, coincidence, we say, right? God led you another way. And there was somebody that you could encounter and God could use you. I want you to close your eyes for a moment and I want you to see your world. Remember, your world consists of all those that you see in 24 hours, let's just say. It's your weekly routine of people. Not necessarily exactly 24-hour period, but there is, a, there is a routine of people that you're seeing and you're encountering every day, every other day, every week. That's your world. It's, it's your family, certainly. It's the people you work with or alongside or maybe that you that you lead perhaps you're a boss you're an employer maybe they're under you that's part of your world how do you treat them by the way oh there's another sermon for another day I'll preach that later <laughs> it's your neighbors do you have a good relationship with your neighbors or do you just hate that they built that fence and you can't get over it There's a proclamation that Jesus is counting on us 
to deliver. It's, it's the good news of Christ. Now that you've fully seen your world, if you would like to change your world and you need the, the help of God, I want you to stand right where you are. If you want to make a difference in your world and you would like God's help to do it, I want you to stand. say what you would have us to say and go where you want us to go. God, I pray that right now you might bring one person in particular into our vision and lay them heavily on our hearts. I've asked you to focus on your world. Now God is going to bring one person in particular to your mind. Holy Spirit, do that now. Bring one person in particular, one specific someone. You see him or her? You see that person? Now call them by name. Whisper their name to God right now. Whoever it might be, it might be a family member, it may be a co-worker, employee, your employer, it may be your neighbor, but God, the Holy Spirit, is bringing someone specific to your mind. I want you to pray for them right now. Pray that God would tenderize their hearts. Make them open and receptive to the proclamation of good news. Pray that God would begin to bless them and reveal himself to them. 
and that everything would seem to point to Him. Now pray that God would open an opportunity for you to first of all proclaim without words. In other words, just to let His characteristics and His attributes be seen in you. His love, His kindness, His peace, His joy, the fruit of the Spirit seen in you. Now pray that God would put the words in your mouth as he would lead to that next step of proclamation, seasoned with salt and just perfectly said. God, we believe that this person that we're praying for right now, they will find you and they will decide to follow you. We want to be a part of this great commission, reaching the world, changing the world. And God, we declare today that we're willing to start by changing our world. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. I want you to do me a favor. This is so powerful right here, what God just did. It, it's not in my notes. I hadn't planned on even prompting you in that way. But this person that the Holy Spirit has brought to your mind, I want you to write their name down on a piece of paper. And I want you to put that where you'll see it every morning. Maybe it's on your mirror. You know, we're getting ready every day, right? I got to comb my hair every morning, so I'll be at the mirror maybe it's at the fridge I know we're going to visit that fridge I don't know maybe it's on your visor you know a lot of people they'll put something on the visor it's a reminder right I don't know where you'll put this but I want it in a prominent place how many would do this you'll, you'll write down this name because I'm just telling you the Holy Spirit's moving in this person I know that he's preparing them you make a point to just pray for them every day for seven days. Now, if it turns into something more and, and, and you just begin to really pray, I, I'm just, I'm commissioning you. I'm asking you if you would commit to seven days of prayer for this one person. Uh, we're talking about changing the world, right? It starts with changing, one life changing. And you never know what God might do with that person and what he might raise up in them and how they may go on to really, literally change the world. We never know, do we? Write down their name, put it in a prominent place, and pray for them every day for seven days. Amen. What's well, been good to be in God's house today? I'm ready to get out and proclaim something, aren't you? Don't forget about our life groups. We have life groups tonight. If you're not involved, there's still time. We have a few more sessions before we break for the summer. But I want you to get involved in the life groups and let's be a part of making disciples. God bless everybody. Have a great day. There is no one.